Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we're doing another episode from The Vault, where it's kind of a series that we're just going back in the archives, pulling out some timeless classics, some of your favorites, and uh, sharing them with you today. So listen, if you are considering making the transition to speaking full-time, this is the episode for you. Today, we're going to be hearing from and talking with Eric Ream, who is a, a former student of the Speaker Lab, who decided to make speaking his full-time gig. And also, uh, he works with uh, a lot of our students, works side-by-side with them, helping them in the trenches, helping them understand how to find and book gigs and build their speaking business as well. And so in this episode, Eric talks all about making the transition to full-time speaking, talks about the keys to success, the evolution of your tar target market and topic, uh, why mentors are so important, and also some of his biggest regrets as he's built his speaking business. Eric just has a, a ton of passion for helping other people navigate the speaking industry and the expertise to back it up. So he is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Let's get right into it. Here's my conversation from The Vault on transitioning to full-time speaking with Eric Ream. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my buddy, Eric Ream. Eric has been a uh, very successful speaker in his own right and uh, actually was a, one of the original uh, Booked and Paid to Speak students many years ago and has actually uh, just joined the Speaker Lab team recently as a coach. So uh, good to have Eric here. He's actually been on the podcast multiple times back in episode 126, 150, 225. We'll link up to all of those. So make sure you, uh, you check out those episodes. But uh, Eric is back today because um, I have been harassing him for a long time that the dude needs to quit his job. He had been uh, speaking a lot. We're going to talk about it. Uh, speaking a lot, still keeping a full-time job. And I'm just like, what are you doing, man? You need to go all in on the speaking thing. And so uh, he finally gave into the peer pressure, quit his job. So we want to talk about that transition of turning pro, of uh, going from dream to reality as a uh, full-time speaker. So Eric, how are you, my friend? Glad to have you here. Oh man, I am better than well, Grant. I am fantastic, and I never heard you say that I was the uh, one of the original students. I didn't know I was an OG. I That's think awesome. so. Like, I mean, it was, awesome. it was it was way back when because you joined yeah. you joined Booked and Paid to Speak in 2015, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so let's kind of talk through that. What were you doing at the time? Um, you had done, if I remember correctly, you'd done a little bit of speaking, mm -hmm. and it was something you were kind of loosely intrigued by. Uh, so, what kind of speaking were you doing at the time, and what were you doing in terms of your career and just professionally? Well, professionally, you know, I, I started my career in you know the utility business when I got out of the uh, army. I actually got in the utility business because of a girl. I ran into my uh, would-be would wife one time when I was back in my hometown and realized, uh, I, I like that. I need to close that deal. 
and found I had to figure out a way when I was getting in the army how to get back to Anderson, Indiana, and there was this position open in the utility business. And I thought, well, I'll do that if it, if it means getting the girl. So I, I got yeah. the, the job, got the girl, ended up liking the utility business, kind of stayed in the utility business for a few years, which led me to uh, software sales in the utility industry. And so I started going to all these conferences, and we talked about this in the previous episode, so I won't go too big and in, deep into this, but I just started going to these conferences and realizing that if I wanted to really elevate myself, I need to get on stage. And I really wasn't thinking about speaking. I was just thinking about making sales. And so I found myself on stage a couple times speaking for free and kind of liked it, was getting good feedback, realized that maybe I was better at this than I thought. Um, and then what happened was is, uh, one guy came up to me one time after I did a talk in the, in the industry, a guy I respect a lot. And he said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this full time? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes speaking. You're really good at it. And no one ever told me that before. No one ever just yeah. physically came up to me and said, you're pretty good at this. And so that was just a seed that you look back on your life. And that was just a seed that was planted. And this will happen around that time. I started following Michael Hyatt. I got his book platform university. And so I was listening to his podcast. He mentioned they had this conference at the time that he was part of. It was called the Launch Conference. And it was all about speaking. And at that point, I didn't know of anything, any businesses or anything like that or any courses that could teach you how to be a speaker. So I went to my wife and said, hey, do you mind if I spend a little money and go down to Florida and, and check this thing out? And she goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. I know, I know it's something you've been talking about. So I've been talking a little bit about a grant, maybe just on the side, but not, nothing really big. So I flew down to Orlando, put, spent some money I probably didn't have at the time and listen to Michael Hyatt and Ken Davis go through the process. And for the first time, I heard them go through a process on really building a business on it, right? right. But there wasn't more after, there wasn't any support after that. It was just this conference and I just took off, right? Yeah. And so I, I tried to apply what I learned. I was bumping my head up against the ceilings, wasn't quite sure what, how to do this stuff. I knew I could speak, wasn't sure about the business side of it. And so in 2014, I maybe did a few gigs and a few gigs here and there, but I did have someone call me one time and finally ask me, how much do you charge? And then that was an aha moment, you know, where I had my first really official gig and they paid me a thousand dollars to go to North Dakota. They treated me like a, a king. I thought it was yeah. fantastic. I'm like, man, can I duplicate this? So I still try to figure out ways to do it. I was still doing a lot of uh, speaking on the side as far as free speaking at conferences and things like that. A lot of it was breakout sessions, nothing really major. And then uh, I heard there was some other person that I was following on email. I can't remember who it was. It was one of your affiliate partners at the time. Got an email about this guy that can teach you the speaking side, the business side of speaking. And it just hit me at the right time. And yeah. so it was in December. That's a part of the year where I'm a little bit slower as far as you know doing things. And I was kind of winding down. I'm like, oh, I'll check this webinar out. And you did a fantastic job. It was you and the guy on the webinar. And then you had this offer of joining this program. And so I did it. In 2015, I joined the program. And I thought, well, I'm going to figure out if I can do this or not. Either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. So I just started going through your system, going through your program. 2016, I think I brought in around $37,000. Things were looking good. I had no, I didn't know what to do with the money. It was the checks were just coming in. So I just was just, you know, put it in my bank account, wasn't sure what to do with it. And then in 2017, uh, I, I remember I set a goal and said, you know what, what if I can make $70,000 in this? And to me, that was an audacious goal, right? To go from 36,000 to 70,000. So I put, I made a goal of 70,000 and I actually brought in 154,000. So I just wow. busted it out of the water. And that was when you started saying, Hey dude, you just start, you start doing this full time. And I, I remember you and I texted back and forth and I said, I don't know if it's real. And you wrote back and you said, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went into 2018 and thought, you know, what if I made 200,000 and I actually brought in 181,000 with about $30,000 in accounts receivable that hadn't come in yet. So I actually yeah. probably 
theoretically a seat of my goal. And then at that point where it was getting really hard for me to continue speaking and have a full-time gig. And uh, the analogy I like to use, is I had one foot on the pier, I had one foot in the boat and the boat was my speaking business and it was slowly getting further and further away. And I was a, I had to make a decision. And so I made a decision, Hey, I think I want to do this full time. So literally last week, March 26th, uh, I left my full-time job and we're literally a week later from now. So this is like my first week being a full-time speaker and it feels fantastic. Congrats, man. First of all, that's awesome. That's a, uh, that's a huge accomplishment yeah. and achievement. Um, so I'm curious because speaking is one of those things that there's not necessarily a one size fits all, meaning that um, there's some speakers that we know who they want to speak full time. They want to do, they want to go all in. And so some speakers who just want to do a few things here and there and just kind of a side part. So it could have certainly been that for you where you still keep your full-time job. I speak at a few industry things here and there. Speaking is something that's fun. Um, it scratches that little itch. I like to do it on the side, but it's not necessarily anything that I want to do or feel like I could do professionally. What made you feel like, no, this is something I want to go all in on. This is something I really feel like there, there's something there that I, I, I really want to lean into and pursue. Yeah, well, there's two things. One is um, I'm big on lifestyle. And mm -hmm. so I had kind of an idea in my mind what, I, what kind of lifestyle I wanted to live. And I just had to figure out what was going to help me live that lifestyle. And I wanted the lifestyle where I basically called the shots and I decided the route I wanted to go in my life. And so being a business owner was that lifestyle, but I had to figure out where I was passionate and proficient enough to do that. Yeah. And speaking, I, I kind of backed into it. It wasn't like the intentional. It just started slowly, you know, like, like we talked about in a previous podcast where we're just figuring things out, man. And you're yeah. just driving down the road and you can see 20 feet in front of you on a dark, yep. dark, foggy night. And suddenly 20 feet in front of me, this speaking thing started showing up more and more. And I started realizing, Hey, I kind of like this. And then once I realized, I think it was probably probably 2016 when I got that, when I were 17, I can't remember what year it was when I got the 154,000. I mean, I was going to my uh, mailbox grant and every, almost every day there was a check in it and it just kept yeah. coming. Checks, checks, checks. I mean, it was blowing my mind and that's when I began to realize, I think I'm onto something here. Yeah. Yeah. So checks I, that, in the that, mailbox on a daily basis will do that to you. Yeah. It's Crazy. fantastic. Um, so, okay. One of the things I'm curious on is you are, you're, you're starting to speak, you're starting to get some momentum, but you still have a full-time job, right? So that first year you said in 20, I think you said 2016, you spoke, um, I uh, spoke a handful of times, generated $30,000 in, in income. Is that right? Yeah. Is my math right? All right. Yeah, so like 20, 20, or 20 or 30 times, I think I spoke that year. Not all of them were paid. Some of them were free. Okay. So 20, 30 times you're speaking, but you still have a full-time job. So how are you balancing that with your job responsibilities? Meaning, are you just having to take vacation time for all of that? Because I know for me, when I got started, it, I had a, a flexible kind of part, I had a couple of different part-time jobs. So if I didn't, it was just kind of an hourly thing where if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. Uh, and so they under, understood that. Whereas it sounds like you're in more of a kind of a, a corporate professional um, salaried position and you taking off week after week after or every other week, it sounds like ish to go do another speaking gig that doesn't necessarily help the company, but it's benefiting Eric. Mm -hmm. how, how is, how does that work out with your boss? How does that work out with your role, your company? Kind of talk mm -hmm. us through that. Yeah, it was something that we talked about in one of the previous episodes. And I'll summarize, you know, the point I was at. It was like it was 2014 or 15. We went through a kind of a shift at our company where we were almost bought out. And it was kind of a weird time for the company. And so when something like that happens, you start thinking about your backup plan. And so there were several other companies I talked to that were thinking about hiring me. 
And at the time, my boss didn't want me to leave. And so I remember going uh, to flying back to our headquarters and we had this discussion and he drove me back to the airport. And we got out of the uh, car and he, I shook his hand and was saying goodbye. He looked at me and said, you know, I know that you've been doing some speaking in our industry and you're good at it. And I, want, I can't pay you what these other companies can pay you, but I'm okay with you speaking especially if you're going to speak in our industry. I'm okay with that. Just don't go crazy with it and just take time off if you speak outside of our industry, but I'm okay if you want to go ahead and do that. And so that was a gift that he gave me because um, yeah. I worked from home. And honestly, I never thought about it at that point. I, I was still trying to think about speaking was something I wanted to do, but he kind of gave me that push and that permission to do that. And so what he always asked is that um, when I spoke in the utility industry, he wanted me to speak as you know vice president of, of our company. So I spoke yeah. as, as our company. But the, what happened, Grant, was it became a win-win because I was going to go to these conferences anyway. So I began speaking professionally at conferences I would be going to anyway. So what happened was they paid for my expenses. So my company didn't have to pay for that. Right. My expenses went down by 70% for my company because I wasn't, they weren't spending to send me there. And I was up there speaking on behalf of the company, but I just happened to get paid as well. Yeah. And so there was a win-win. Then what happened was I started to get some momentum and started speaking outside of the industry. And so I'd have to tell my boss, I need vacation time. Yeah. So, but he knew what I was doing. So it wasn't like it was some kind of secret thing. So that's how I was able to handle it. But then over time, what, what started to, to become an issue for me was I was spending more time thinking about my speaking business, spending more time thinking about how I was going to get more gigs. And that was starting to become an issue as far as juggling both. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a boss who was very understanding and generous and kind and kind of gave you the leeway and the latitude to pursue this other thing on the side. And he had a, um, uh, I guess just like a big enough head and, and vision. I, I, should, I should say that he could see like, okay, Eric going out and speaking is actually a benefit to us, the company right. Right? and not being like a selfish type of thing. Um, but there are certainly people listening who are going like, that's awesome, but that is not my boss. And they're one-sided right. or maybe it's, um, your speaking is directly helping your company, but someone else is like, I want to speak in some totally different industry or on some totally different thing that actually that has nothing to do with my company. So let's play this out for a second. Just hypothetical. If, if you had gone to your boss and been like, all right, uh, I'm doing a little bit more speaking. I'd like to continue to do more of this. And either the boss says, Nope, I don't want you to. Or the boss says, um, you know, this is not benefiting us and you're going to have to use vacation time or something that's just some type of response that does not go in your favor. Any idea? And again, this is all hypothetical. It didn't play out this way, but hypothetical, what would you have done differently? Well, actually, I don't know. I mean, if yeah. my boss would have been like that, we might not be talking right now because uh, I have a young family. Uh, we're a single income family. I've got young kids. And so I'm in a phase of life where I don't have the luxury to test things out. And who knows how that I may have said, okay, I'm just going to stay with security and stay where I'm working now and never would have pursued this. So I can't tell you that I would have done, I would have still been here in that situation. Um, I think it all depends on, you know, how important it would have been to me at the time. And so I think there's one or two things you got to do in that situation. Either you, you respect your boss and you stay in your current position, or if your dream's big enough and you're probably a better example than I am on this, you just take the leap. I mean, you were making $30,000 as a youth pastor with a pregnant wife and you just made the leap with no gigs really booked at all. I'm not sure if I could have done that or not. So I think if you just have to make a decision is how important this is to you. And I think the other thing is how, what's your financial situation, right? Yeah. So if you're deep in debt and you got student loans and you got a lot going on and you're living paycheck to paycheck, 
then you're going to have to make it. Your transition may be a little longer and you're going to have to do a little slower there. That's how yeah. I probably approach it. Makes sense. Okay. So uh, one of the other things I was interested in was you were, you had done a couple of industry events and it sounds like they were some of the things that you had just kind of randomly been invited to or going on behalf of the company. As you're doing this, you're probably just, you're either speaking on whatever they're telling you about or you've, um, uh, you've got some type of topic that you've done a time or two. But when you're kind of going, making that transition of, I've done a few industry things, I've done a few local things. I'm, now I want to do this on a bigger scale and I really want to do, I want to go all in on speaking. How did you really get clear on who you wanted to speak to and what you're going to speak about? Because those, those are the biggest challenges that a lot of speakers have is um, you're at a spot where you're like, and I just love speaking. I, I'm just passionate about speaking. Speaking's fun. I got, you know, each time I do it, I kind of get it some attaboys. I get some pats on the back. People told me I did a good job. This is fun. I want to do more of this. And, and you'd probably, because you're passionate about speaking, you'd probably speak on anything to anybody if you could. But we both know that doesn't work as a business model. So how did you figure out who you wanted to speak to and what you wanted to speak about? Uh, well, probably one of the, the biggest things I did that really helped me was I started a blog. And so that was one of the things I learned from Michael Hyatt when I was reading his book, Platform, a platform Get Noticed in a Noisy World, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the blog. And so I started a blog and I started writing. I made a commitment that I would post something every Tuesday. And I did that probably for almost three years straight. And so what was important with that, Grant, is it allowed me to start to take things that were swimming around in my head and put it on paper officially and post it. And my blog became kind of like my workbench. At the time, I didn't care if anybody read it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it got to a point where I think I was getting like maybe twelve or 15,000 people a year would read it towards the end. Um, uh, but while I was doing it, I was testing out theories and ideas. And I, I, I started to discover a theme of things that I enjoyed writing about. And so I think the key is if you want to be successful at something, there's really two key things is do you have a passion for it and are you proficient at it, right? And so I started to discover I had a passion on human dynamics and connection and communication. And I started to realize I was proficient at coming up with ideas and thoughts. So then what I did is, is a lot of times when I was doing these speaking gigs um, and they were free, I would test out ideas and I would say to an event planner, hey, I can speak on this at a breakout session. Is this of interest to you? Yeah. And eventually a few of them said, yeah, I think that sounds that, that's pretty interesting. And then what would happen is I would do the talks and then I was very intentional about getting surveys and seeing what people were saying. And when people started to say, hey, I really needed to hear this, or this is fantastic, or you know, this is really changing the way I'm looking at things, and can you come speak here? And so there was a couple topics that I started to land on that over time I was seeing, number one, uh, I was getting hits on my blog on, number two, I enjoyed writing about it, number three, event planners were willing to book me on it, and number four, uh, people in the surveys were saying how it really helped them. Now there were some topics I came up with that was like crickets, nobody could care less, nobody read about it, nobody wanted to hear about it, when I asked people if they wanted to uh, hire me to speak on it, they didn't want to do that, or the ones that did, uh, the poor souls that did hire me for that, when people actually went through it, there was like, and the feedback, there was like nothing. Nobody really liked it. So I think you just have to test it. You're, you can't have this perfect situation where you're going to come out with something and everybody's going to love it. You're going to have to test some ideas and then be intentional about looking at, is, is, it, is people responding? And then what will happen is, is through those, those, that feedback and people responding to your message, you're going to get little clues or little markers that, yeah, I'm on the right path. So once I discovered I was on the right path, then I just started to refine that to where I am now. 
So one of the things we find with students that, you know, you and I work with within the speaker lab and our, our programs is that um, it's really easy to overanalyze that of feeling like I need to nail it from day one and I need to be a hundred percent accurate and clear on who I speak to and what I speak about. And that's the only audience I'm ever going to speak to or the only topic I'm ever going to speak on forever and ever. Amen. And the reality is, is like you said, it's kind of an evolving process. And so you just kind of pick a starting point of this is what I'm going to start with. And I'm kind of, it's kind of an experiment and I'm, then I'm going to put it into the marketplace and see what works and what clicks and what resonates and kind of evolve and change from there. Um, and kind of a, a bit, be comfortable making some of those pivot pivots and, and adjustments. So were there any times that you spoke where you felt like, Oh dang, like this really resonated. Um, and I feel like I'm really on to something or any, any, um, gigs that you did that you felt like those were really like pivotal breakthrough gigs for you. Yeah, big time. Um, so I think as we, as we talk about going down the journey and you've kind of mentioned that the first thing is I, you know, I, I had to figure out if I had a message and then once I did that, I started to test the message and then I had to find a market for the message. And what I discovered is that my market ended up being professional men and women. And that, that's really where I resonate, you know, not like college kids or high school kids or, you know, they, it's, it's professional men and women, usually between the ages of 35 and 55 is my market. And so I would say probably the pivotal point for me was when I did a gig down in Florida. And I think I might have mentioned this in our previous podcast, but uh, where this event planner hired me, but I don't think he really believed in me. I think he hired me mainly because I knew him a little bit and I kept, uh, I was persistent with emailing him and finds out I'll I'll put him on my stage, but he just rode me, man. He like micromanaged me. And so I actually did the gig. It was on basically my body language talk. It was the very first time I've ever, I ever did it. In fact, I sold him on the idea. Have you ever done this where you sold someone on idea and they say, said, okay, let's do it. And then you're like, I actually got to do something. (laughs) And so I told him I would do this and I didn't have the talk put together yet. And so he kind of was micromanaging me on the title of the talk. And so I never did this talk and I went on stage and I did it and I did it right before a guy they hired after me, their keynote speaker, and they paid him like 15 grand or something. And when they got the survey results back, uh, I got a higher survey result than any other speakers, including their keynote speaker. Wow. So that's when I knew I had something. And if you go back and look at the video, actually the video of that talk is still on my website. You can go look at it. It's like 20 some minutes. It's not that great of a talk. My talk now is much better, but I knew the topic resonated. And what happened was I followed up with the event planner. I didn't intend to do this. And now I do this all the time now, but I got him on the phone and he basically apologized to me because he realized that actually I was legit. And then that was a guy that really got me going because he said, I want to introduce you to some of my event planner event planner friends. And he gave me a list of 80 other event planners uh-huh. and he went one step further and he emailed every one of them and said, he sent out a, a mass email and said, this guy's name's Eric Ream. He's legit. I, can, I think you should follow up uh, or I think you should hire him. And then that basically is where my business took off because I intentionally followed up with all those event planners, got two or three of them to book me. And then it's all history from there. That's awesome. Uh, so, all right. At this point, you are, you're doing a bunch of gigs. Your boss is comfortable with it, but it seems like, again, outside looking in, it seems like there's going to reach a breaking point where you're doing so many gigs that either um, it's taking you away from like, he's doing a lot of gigs for the company and that's great, but like, he's not actually doing anything else for the company. Uh, and so that feels like there's got to reach a, a breaking point there where something's got to give. So what did that look like? Did you reach a breaking point where something had to give or you had to adjust your role or the number of hours you were taking in the company? How did that play out? It was kind of a slow breaking point, you know, where it's kind of like you're that frog in, in water and you start mm-hmm. boiling it. You don't realize you're boiling. And so it just happened over time. I think one of the things was, is I had so much momentum 
and my full-time job with my network that I was able to ride that momentum for about pretty for about a year and a half. Yeah. And I would say probably within the last six to nine months, the momentum started to slow. And so my sales started to come down a little bit. So they weren't growing. I, I was selling on at my, my sales growth on average about 31% a year. But the last probably two years, it, was, it dropped down about 10%. For your and so corporate started, thing or for speaking? For corporate. Okay. For corporate, yeah. That's a good clarification. So my, my speaking, uh, not my speaking, my, my sales started to decline a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think what happened, the breaking point was that the uh, owner – and the board board decided they wanted to kind of refocus our thoughts or our plans at the at the full time gig, and they wanted to bring everybody in to Oak, uh, to our headquarters and talk about how they want to do things differently and this and that. And I think that's when I realized, you know what, I don't have the energy or the time to do all this. Yeah. I need to make the decision. So what happened was I had some mentors in my life. You were one of them. You were nice enough to uh, call me while you were on your on your way to vacation. And I just wanted to pick your brain and say, hey, this is what I think I want to do. I want to head out to this all-company meeting. And I want to let my company know that, hey, I'd like to I'd like to move on. What do you think? And at that point, you and there was two other men that I contacted that pretty much gave me the permission. They said, yeah, I think you're on the right path. I think you're good to go. Yeah. So one of the things um, that I, I – like you and I have talked about you, you've had a lot of momentum for a couple of years now as a speaker. And so it's not like, um, man, you're, you're six months in and you're making some momentum and you're thinking about leaving your job. Like you've had sustained success for a while now, and yet you've always been really, really hesitant about leaving your job. And you kind of alluded to, um, part of it is you've, you've had a really good salary. The company has been very good to you. Um, you're the sole provider for your family. You have a wife and kids, you have dependents, you have, you know, overhead, normal expenses like any, anybody else. And so you do have a lot of those variables yet you have been making a good living from speaking. Uh, so why do you think it, it took as long as it did to get to this point where you felt comfortable? Um, was it a money thing? Was it a timing thing? Was it a speaking thing? Was it a corporate thing? Was it a combination of all of the above? Uh, what, what gave you the confidence? Because I always felt like, outside looking in, and I've told you this numerous times, the math was there to support you leaving your, your corporate gig. Um, I think it, was, it seemed like it was more your just getting your head to that point. So what did you feel like made now the right time versus a, a different time? Uh, fear is what held me back, honestly. It was just that one word, fear. Um, probably my greatest fear as a, as a man, as a father, and as a husband is that I can't take care of my family. That's always been a big thing for me. I think that passed down from my dad. My dad's always been one of those hard-charging guys, and my dad always told me, hey, your family, you're responsible for your family. And so yep. I don't take that lightly. And my family has a good lifestyle. My kids are great. My wife is awesome. But it's up to me to go out of the cave and kill it and bring it home. Right. And so, um, I'd never been out on my own before. I'd never been a full-time business owner. I've always had that, you know, company that provided a 401k. They, they provide a vacation time. There was always a salary no matter what. And, you know, you can get used to that. And so it was a big deal for me to say, say, okay, can I actually do this? You know, and part of it was this unfounded fear, you know, and people in my ear saying, Oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. You're good. But it just took me a while to see that number one, that I hadn't done this speaking thing and I needed a couple of years of seeing steady income to know that, you know, this is real. There isn't going to be a situation where it's going to be, it will be some downtime, but I can, I can manage it. Right. So I just needed to test it out, test a little bit. And the fact that I had a boss that was really giving and gracious, I think that helped too. And probably made me too comfortable. It might've been better, honestly, if he's more of a jerk and pushed me a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, 
maybe that maybe I needed that. It wasn't until the whole company decided we need to bring everybody in and think of refocus our entire plan. That was a, I think that was a tipping point for me to say, you know what, I need to make the decision. Do you think if they hadn't just recently brought in the whole company and started to talk about some of these restructuring things that you would have put it off longer? I probably would have. That's a good question because actually my goal was to leave the company by December of this year. So I probably just, I probably would have went to December. Um, I think that inflection point, that, that tipping point uh, last week when we came together, that just pushed me, I, I was pro- probably pushed me nine months earlier than I wanted to leave. But yeah, yeah you're right. I probably would have stayed a little longer. Uh, so it was a good, it was actually good for everybody. Because at the same time, like, uh, and again, you and I have talked offline a, a lot about this just for on your personal journey of like December could come this year and you probably could have come up with a justification if everything is still good. Like it's, I don't know, man, it's hard to walk away. And so the, the timing is just never perfect. The timing is, yeah. is, is never right. So for someone who's listening, who may be in a similar spot man, I'm doing some speaking gigs, I'm getting some traction, I'm seeing some momentum there, but I got this safety net. I've got these golden handcuffs that it's just, it's just hard to walk away from. And so totally get that from the fear side, but also get it from the, you know, just the, the financial responsibility side of your family and, and, you know, providing for your family and income and all that stuff. Um, so what would you say to that person who's in a similar spot of like, I've got some momentum here. I feel confident that I can continue booking gigs. I'm not making a rash, stupid decision. Um, but I just, I want to make sure I'm making the right decision and I want to make sure I'm not letting fear dictate that. What would you say to them? Well, I'll tell you one thing that really helped me, honestly, was when I when I found out I need to go back to the headquarters and we're going to have this big decision, I went to my wife and I said, you know what, I think it's time for me to pull the trigger. And I think probably one of the most important things is anybody, man or woman, you need mentors in your life. I mean, you've been huge for me. Uh, I have two or three guys uh, that I, I mentor a lot with. And so I met with one of my mentors. He happens to be my pastor. Um, and I met with him at Denny's, <laughs> uh, uh, probably two or three days before I flew back to Oklahoma. And he told me three things I think is relevant for everybody listening. That's thinking about, Hey, maybe I want to go full time. One thing he told me was really important. Grant, he said, listen, God will always be with you, but these moments won't yeah. meaning that you have moments in your life that it's a door that opens that won't be open forever. And he goes, either you step through it or you don't. And he gave me examples of men he'd mentor in the past and women he'd mentor in the past that missed the moments. And even today, they're a little bitter because they let those moments go by. And so he said, you're in a moment right now and it's not going to stay here forever. And then he said, "Um, you're going to have to step through that door. And when you do it, you're going to have to step over fear to do it. And he said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, meaning that you're going to have to go out in faith eventually. Yeah. And then the last thing he said that was really important to me, and I think it's important for the listeners, is he said that you're going to have to go through this process anyway. Whether you do it now or nine months now, you're going to have to go through a transition process that you can't avoid it. If you want to live your dream, there's a process to that dream, and you're going to have to go through it. Why not do it now? And then he said, you know, it's not like you're stepping out on air either. You've got a business. You're not just going out like basically what you did in 2005, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't doing that. I had the speaking gigs. In fact, I had 24 gigs booked. So he says, I think you're fine. So I think those three things that he told me, I think is relevant for everyone else that's interested in doing this full time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it takes some like practical planning, but even that, even with, you feel like, man, all the stars align and I've checked all the boxes, there's still a point where you have, it's a risk, right? And you're not guaranteed success at all. And so, uh, it's something we've, we've talked a lot about that, um, you, you could do, you could quit the job and you'd be like, all right, I'm all in on the speaking thing. And then like, I don't know, something happens, the economy crashes or, you know, God forbid you got sick or something happened and you can't speak as much or speaking doesn't work as well. Um, and, and it, it, it starts to not play out the way that you hope. 
uh, and it could be a huge failure. But it could be a massive success, and you really you're not guaranteed success either way. Uh, but you don't know unless you unless you step out of the boat and give it a shot. Yeah, and you helped me too, Grant, because when I talked to you on the phone, you said and use your own life as an example. But you told me you said okay, so you go full time and you suck at it and you fall on your face, so you get another job, right? Yeah. And you talked about when you decide to move to Nashville, and yeah. you said okay, I moved to Nashville and everybody hates it. All right, we'll move back. But yeah. we don't know unless we try. And so that's the thing. I think, I think the biggest regret that most people will have and I would have in life are the things we didn't do, not the things yep. that we did. So I figured, you know what? Let's do it. I think I got it in place and I, and I, I do have a good business in place. So I'm going to go ahead and try it. So you helped me with that confidence, which I'll be forever grateful. Awesome. Very cool, man. Well, hey, man, this has been really fun. I always enjoy chatting with you. We appreciate all that you do. Um, and you and I have done a, a couple episodes together. We're going to continue to do a few episodes in the, uh, the future. But in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, check out your site and info. Uh, where can we go? Uh, just go to my name, ericream.com. E-R-I-C-K-R-H-E-A-M. Okay. So one thing I don't think we've ever talked about um, is your first name and last name may not be the easiest to spell or have different spellings than what people could think when they just hear it audibly. So do you have any alternative versions of your domain or have you run no. into any issues with that? No, we actually did. You asked me this last time. Oh, and really? Yeah. And I, I just, I've not had any problems. I, I probably should do that, but I just, I've had, I figured if I'm doing a good job and people are looking for me, they can find me. And so far it's been okay, but yeah. maybe I do need to think about that. Now with my newfound freedom, I need to spend time buying more domain names. <laughs> Buy the domains. That's really what entrepreneurship is. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.